This is Come On Kinds with Martin Quilty and Onya Fahey. Welcome once again to episode number five of Come On Kind with myself, Martin Quilty and... And I'm Anya Fahey. This evening we are going to be reviewing last weekend's games for our Division 1, which is our senior team, and Division 2, which is our intermediate team against Clare and Waterford respectfully. The upcoming games for both those and what the permutations of coming out of the group stages might be in those games as well. We are also going to be talking about the vote that happened at the GAA Congress last weekend as well and what that means for the three associations coming up. And also, first up on our list though, we have an interview that happened last Saturday with Brian Dowling about the Kilkenny and Clare Division 1 game this is what Brian had to say Brian Dowling is that a case of get out of jail this afternoon against Clare he came away with the victory but you were pushed all the way by him I look, definitely got out of jail look I suppose we're very lucky to come away at the points today we, we didn't deserve it um, you know we didn't play well at all um, you know, missed a lot of chances composure was was poor at times but look in fairness the girls instead at it and Kellyanne got a good score at the end to, to win by a point but look we know ourselves we have a huge amount to do took both teams an awful long time to get into the game like the first chance was after five minutes it was a penalty uncharacteristic like for Denise she missed it but Jim Murphy pulled off a great save as she did earlier on in the second half as well she was outstanding today yeah she made some great saves there look for Denise is usually she, she scores all them so look you know, she'll, she'll practice them and, and she'll get them right but uh, look it was a very frustrating game I don't think I've ever been involved in a game where there's so many stoppages there was no flow to it everything seemed to be a free it was very frustrating on both sides you know we couldn't tackle without being a free and you know we're, we're kind of you know, coming away thinking that Camogie has been more physical, like, and then it turns out that it's not. You know, like I think any neutral coming in watching that game, you couldn't say you enjoyed it from either side. It was just stop, start, stop, start, and that's just very frustrating. You know, there's no flow to the game, and you know, I just think we never got into a groove at all today. Yeah, we actually spoke about that in commentary. There was one particular foul that Lady Fitzpatrick had over the far side of the field. That it just seemed to be a collision between two players, and there was a free given again. Yeah, I don't know what Lady could, could have done there. She she won the ball, went forward, and she knocked over the girl. Um, I. I I don't, I don't blame the ref for that one I think that's in the rules and it's a crazy rule we've been saying that for a long time you know but look I'm sure Claire is saying the same thing as us like with the freeze and stuff it was just both, both sides it was just very frustrating just um, you know there was no real flow to the game there was no like you know brilliant passages of hurling there for the for the hour While you went in at half time with the goal uh, ahead one four to four points Claire outscored you then six points to four in the second half with six scores to four like so uh, overall Claire really put it up to you like you didn't have a, much of an answer the goal was kind of the difference for you? Well, looks clear putting up the, since I've been involved the bet is in Nolan Park two years ago and you know last year in the championship there wasn't much between us and going by five or six points in the end so look clear a good team but um, looks we have to look at ourselves first and foremost look I can't question the girl's attitude and desire and stuff it just it didn't happen for us today um, you know there's no excuses it just didn't happen for us today we were just our, our final ball our, our you know our composure on the ball was very very poor um, you know it was good against Limerick so I don't know why that was so look it's early in the year um, we won't get too worked up about it but we know we've a lot to improve on if we want to go anywhere further in the league and the championship yeah a lot to improve on on you know, if they want to go further in league and championship that was of course Brian Dowling speaking with myself after the game on Saturday he wasn't a happy man after the performance um, he did say that it was good to get the result out of it but it wasn't Kilkenny like uh, down in Cusey Park now we have to say the wind played probably a small little bit of a factor but not so much he was very frustrated about the stop start of the game and the amount of freeze and the whole lot was given it so 
you've had a, a chance to reflect after uh, a couple of days now as well. So how was your overall assessment now of what went on last Saturday? Yeah, I suppose like to be fair, like it wasn't pretty, but you know, he's dead right. They got a win. They got out of there by the skin of their teeth. And, you know, at the end of the day, they got the points on the board and that's really what they wanted to. And, you know, they're heading down to play Cork now in what is going to be the top of the table clash and what is going to be, you know, the winner takes all kind of a situation. So I suppose like in the back of his own mind, even though, yeah, they didn't perform well, they still got the win. And that's the main thing. I think what he can take a lot of confidence in. And, you know, I suppose it's one thing that definitely stood out to me is, the lot of the the newer players, um, you know, that we're not so familiar with seeing uh, on in this outfit, actually played very very well. Like I was highly impressed with Tiffy Fitz. I was extremely impressed with Laura Norris. I think her work rate for the forty five minutes that she was on the field, you know, was untold. And I think she did excellent. And she could be very happy with herself in that regards. Um, you know, I thought the likes of Neve Dealy is slowly but surely really kind of you know imposing herself as a main figure in this Kilkenny senior setup and I suppose the year that she's had with DCU and you know getting player of the match in the in the college's final and then getting an all-star as well I think that's going to give her a mountain of confidence you know she's been on that panel since 2016 and I suppose probably last year and this year this this year so far I know there's only been two games but this is where she's really starting to make make her position and make her name known inside there and I think you know she's only going to grow as as the games come on it just um, goes to prove though and justify why she was actually player yeah. of the game in that I mean she's had an outstanding year with DCU mm-hmm. um, and the first couple of games with Kilkenny even against uh, Limerick and all the last day very good player you know possibly an underrated player as yeah. well you know it doesn't maybe get the recognition of someone like Denise Gall or Miriam Welsh often gets at times but she just goes about her business and does it with no frills no fuss no nothing just gets on with it Yeah exactly you know just very kind of a very cool calm character like you know that's what she kind of comes across as and you know it doesn't look like anything is phasing her and I suppose she's probably just taking every game as it comes because she knows just as much as all the other girls that are there like she's had to work extremely hard to try and impose herself uh, impose herself there as a starting 15 for you know a lot of years so she's just going to keep working and you know I suppose like I've only maybe dealt with her once, you know, in the past with, with regards to intermediates. And, you know, the one thing that struck me is, you know, she came to the management team and she was like, OK, what kind of a game plan are you playing? Like, where do you want me to stand? Like, she's she constantly wants to learn. And that's why I feel like, you know, the lads are, you know, definitely favouring her and pushing her in these positions because she's the, she's the type of player that you want. She's the type of player that wants to learn and wants to do well for the team. Like, and, you know, she's getting her just she's rewards. She's versatile the yeah, way I look exactly. at it. I mean, you can play your centre back, you can mm-hmm. play your midfield. Yeah. we've seen her playing half forward as well yeah. like she's a bit like Porrick Welsh that plays with the, the hurlers I mean yeah. if you asked her to play in goal she'd probably go in and play yeah, in goal exactly. for you yeah yeah no but she is like you know I suppose like and that's they're definitely some of the positives I would take from it you know and I suppose the likes of Sarah Crowley as well I thought she did very very well too and you know the new girls can be very happy with themselves and I'm sure Brian is very happy the fact that he's been able to get these girls out with runs and given the bones of like you know 45 to 50 minutes hurling before they hit the before they hit championship really and you know I suppose there there that's a lot of the positives you can take from it. Um you know yeah it wasn't pretty they got the job done by no means did they show the masterclass that I suppose we're so used to seeing and just to reiterate this again and I know I said it once or twice on Saturday as well we have such a high expectation of them that we're nearly waiting for them to constantly be at the top of their game but they're maybe, only human maybe too high at yeah times. exactly but they're only human after all like they're entitled to their bad days and you know as we said numerous times they 
tipped along nicely in the league last year, didn't, you know, stun anybody or give us the wow factor and they still came out as the as the league champions. So, you know, I suppose now is about a time of getting the girls back to a certain level of fitness. You don't want them peaking too early either. Their aim is going to be the O'Duffy Cuff. Let's be realistic. Um, so I think, you know, he's just going to focus on focus on the next two weeks now and has go, he's going to have everyone back. You know, the colleges is well and truly finished. Um, so he's going to be focusing really on Cork and I think that's going to be the big one. Yeah, it certainly is. Well, I mean, it's job done. Two mm-hmm. games, two wins. He would have looked a cup clear, potentially being Kilkenny's bogey team. I mean, yeah. they beat us in Nolan Park in 2019. Mm-hmm. Okay, the two times that we played him in 2022, I think we beat him the last time in the championship in Six Mile Bridge. But again, it wasn't a huge score yeah. that we beat them by. Like, Clare are a tough team to play against. Yeah. They showed that they were superb last Saturday. Mm-hmm. Let's be fair. I mean, we said last year that we robbed Tipperary in the uh, the semi-final in Northern mm-hmm. Park for the league to get into the league final. We kind of done the same thing to Clare last Saturday because if they had to come out with that game and win it, nobody would have said that Clare didn't deserve it because yeah. they were fantastic. And Zian Spillan, I thought, epitomised everything that Clare mm-hmm. went on. I mean, for such a small stature of a player, she was immense. But Clare's first touch, we alluded to it, was immense. Yeah. You know, it was fantastic. Everything that possibly could have went wrong, first touches of that with the Kilkenny girls, probably did. But if you're going to have a bad game um, and it's no disrespect to Clare, you probably want to have it in that game and Mm -hmm. not have it in two weeks' time against Cork. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose, you know, from Clare, yeah, obviously they're going to be extremely disappointed in the fact that they didn't get the victory out. But I suppose, you know, if you had told them, if you had told them an hour before the game or even had training Friday or Thursday night that within 10 minutes to go, they were only going to be two points, you know, two points worse off than the current league champions and definitely the top three won the top three teams in the country and missed They'd two taken, penalties missed well okay we penalties. scored a point yeah. but missed the other one but like they would have taken that they'd have taken your hand off with it and I suppose yeah you're dead right Darren Murphy after five minutes stood up to, to face you know Denise Gall and what a save that was and then she made a point blank save in the second half as well I think it was Miriam shot for ten minutes yeah, into it yeah like you know absolutely crazy and she stood up and I think to be honest with you I think that save in the first half in the first five minutes I think that kind of gave uh, Claire a bit of hope and a bit of kind of like a bit of drive in them because I do feel if that goal had got on I think Kilkenny could have potentially just pushed on and they could have made life very very difficult for Clare but yeah, Zian Splan was absolutely instrumental in every play that they went through on Sunday, on Saturday. She was involved in it. Her running back and forth, she was constantly in the half back line, making runs up the side as well. Um, you know, getting in the hooks and the blocks that are vital, a real workhorse. Uh, Quiva Carmody from the Kilmally Club scored three points from play. Just she was excellent from yep. midfield. Like she just completely opened up the Kilkenny defence and she just took off running from the centre and went straight down the centre, went down the heart of the Kilkenny defence. Um, yeah, so she was excellent excellent as well and I suppose one of the key points for me is Chloe Morey gone back to the centre back position I suppose we're all kind of used to seeing her up in the forwards and you know being such a dangerous threat for Claire like and she kind of it's like she's gone back there to maybe sturdy up the defence and I think she certainly did that because I do think it's particularly in the first 30 minutes both defences were on top there and Kilkenny were finding it very very hard to break down that clear defence and I think she was the main ringleader behind all of that Now when they did break him down some of the shots uh, last weekend like you wouldn't see it as an under 14 game um, you know and as Brian alluded to it you know they weren't good lots to work on mm-hmm. but again he's not panicking it is yeah. just the league sake of it 
it does set up nicely now a game against Cork for mm. next weekend. I mean, yeah. Cork beat Limerick at the weekend. I think it was a five seven to or five seventeen, I should say, to six, six points. points. Like that's yeah. an awful trim for poor Limerick. And Limerick, I mean, made life tough for us as well. Yeah. Um, a couple of weeks ago, albeit we came away with the result and it was easy enough maybe in the end. Mm-hmm. But they certainly put it up to us. But that's an awful trim like that Cork gave them last weekend. Yeah, and I definitely think it's kind of Cork uh, marking their territory and letting the rest of the teams in the country know that they mean business. Like that's a massive score to be raking up on your second game into the league. You know, you'd say if they had a couple of games, if they had three, four games maybe behind their belt and, you know, they're kind of starting to motor on. But after game one, to throw up that kind of score line is phenomenal. And I think, you know, deep down in the Cork management minds, like they're, that's kind of like the warning sign that they're going to be sending out to Kilkenny that they mean business for this, um, for the league champion, for the league stages here. Um, Only Tipperary have a better score difference at the minute. Yeah, like 5-16 is a massive score in a Camogie match really is and then to be only conceding six points as well and that's not saying anything um, disrespectful towards Limerick but you know you would have to look at Cork at the moment like I, and I mentioned this already I do think that they're going to go very very strong for a league title this year and I think that's something that they're you know they're probably going to have that's going to be their first milestone and if they can get to that then they're going to push on after that they need like I would think for Cork they've gone a long time without a piece of silverware Whereas Kilkenny have the league, they were they are league champions from yeah. last year. Whereas Cork haven't had silverware for a long time, and I think this is the one that they're going to be aiming for big time. Well, it sets up a top of the table clash. Mm-hmm. We're going to be coming against Cork. There's only one going to come out of the group, yeah. so a draw is no good. Cork are twenty five points better off than we are mm-hmm. at the minute. They have plus thirty four, we have plus nine. So realistically. Brian is going to have to go to Cork in their own backyard, whether it be Parky Reen, Parky Creeve, yeah, you know their own grounds in Black Rock. It's going to be a difficult uh, game. It's not going to be easy, but it is a winner take all to come out of that group. It certainly is, but I do think I actually think that Kilkenny relishing the chance of going down to play Cork in Cork, and I do think they really love going down there to play them. And I think from 2020 when they beat Cork in the All Ireland semi final down in Parky Creeve, I think that gave the Kilkenny girls like a complete new lease of life and this fear nearly of Cork beating them in an All-Ireland semi-final or Cork beating them in any day was nearly kind of brushed aside like the elation of some of the girls faces like I remember there was pictures going around Kellyanne Doyle was in tears crying they were just after getting over the line in that game and so I don't think Kilkenny are going to fear going down to Cork um, playing Cork in you know this do or die game I think they're actually probably going to prefer blinkers on and not to be looking at a red jersey or getting too hyped up about where a game is Mm. you know whatever county it is you just have to go out and play I mean Cork are still girls they're still camogie players you have to beat them the same Mm -hmm. as they'd have to beat us so I mean there's nothing they're two good great teams that has been there in the past uh, it's going to be a helter-skelter game, I think, you like, know, for the start of the league. Yeah, or the- I think so. And I think for the neutral spectator, it definitely is going to be a mouth-watering battle. And I suppose it's what every kind of, you know, diehard camogie player wants to see is, you know, the top two teams in the country going down to the wire. And, you know, it's like Kilkenny and Tipperary and the Hurling. Like, everybody loves to see the action and that. And, you know, it's going to be very similar to Kilkenny and Cork. And, you know, I think both teams have massive amount of respect for each other. But when it comes to it on the field, like, I think... I think we're going to see a completely a completely different side of Kilkenny. Um, you know, I think they're going to just, whatever cobwebs they have, you know, from the last two games, they're going to be well and truly gone. And, you know, they're going to forget about, you know, what what way they have been playing and they're just going to go out and they're going to go hell for leather in this one. And, you know, it definitely is setting up, to me, I think the game of the league so far anyway. Wow.
Oh, it's going to be also interesting with uh, Group 1. That's very tight up there as well. Tipperary and Galway tied at the top of the table there with uh, six points each. Uh, Tipperary ahead on scoring difference at the minute, plus 47 to plus 33. Tipperary didn't play last weekend. Galway had a very comprehensive win over down 417 to eight points. And Dublin got off the mark Ooh. with a 112 to two points victory over uh, Offaly. I suppose we alluded to this already. Offaly is probably depleted with the St. Ryan as players. Yeah. They're going to be playing in the um, the Ireland final on Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be in Crow Park for them. The senior final is also there as well between Eulert and Sarsfields. Another great game that's yeah. going to potentially happen. It doesn't really do much for Offaly though, you know, to be getting beaten like that. It's great for Dublin to get on the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. Galway had an easy win over Down. I mean, we see what Down done last year to Waterford in the championship they don't seem to be hitting the heights just yet in the league stages this year No um, definitely not like and I think you know a lot of it has got to do with St. Rhinos girls because you know you're looking at the likes of Kate Kenny she's you know a phenomenal player for St. Rhinos but she's obviously going to be a main target for Offaly as well and I suppose to be missing a player like her ability on a team you know that's a massive thing but I suppose Offaly are going to have to they're, they're just going to have to keep going with the league the way they are because they're not going to have they've been in the position last year they were missing the St. Rhinos girls as well like so they're going to have to just you know get on with it I think the victory for Dublin was vitally important for them um more so than it would have been for Offaly and I know that sounds really strange but I just feel the emphasis that has been on the amount of Dublin girls involved at third level colleges it had to fall back into the county at some stage and I think that's a massive scoreline you know to be only conceding two points you know it's a really good really good turnover for um for Dublin and I think um, Adrian and all the lads will be delighted to get that victory and knowing that they're potentially not going to be facing a relegation battle this year this year again No well I mean technically even the way mm. things are going every team has to play four games in it they're all after playing two games at the minute Tip and Dublin is going to be on in a couple of weeks time as well that is a big game for Dublin like if Dublin mm-hmm. could go to Tipperary and get a result out of that it leaves the game wide open down and awfully then is going to be a relegation battle between the yeah. two of them um, just to see how it's going we have another round of matches then um, because there's more in that group obviously then a couple of weeks later we have Galway taking on Tipperary mm-hmm. that could potentially be a top of the table clash yeah. and then you have Dublin and Down so I mean if Tipperary and Galway are in around the same Dublin are only three points behind going mm-hmm. in at that game unless Tipperary and Galway is going to be a draw potentially to put them through Dublin yeah. could sneak in there very easily mm-hmm. um, you know but with only one team coming out of it you're looking I think at either Tipperary or Galway to be coming out of that um, to play either the winners then of the Cork and Kilkenny game in the league final yeah. would I be right? Yeah 100% and I think you know I think the Tipperary Dublin game is going to be a massive game for both teams you know the way you're standing at the moment we're saying that Tipperary are ahead on score difference Tipperary will want to be capitalising on the Dublin game knowing that they have Galway then two weeks after that that they're going to have to rake up a good score that if they can get the draw against Galway because in the league the last couple of years Tipperary have been well able to put it up to Galway Mm -hmm. and even in the All-Ireland semi-final two years ago Galway only beat them by five points in that and I think Tipperary have grown more and more you know throughout the years and I do think that the Dublin tip game is going to be a massive massive game Dublin would be kind of of the opinion that they nearly have they have Galway game over and done with so that if they can just keep into Tipperary and keep the scoring as low as possible and it might do them a favour on score difference but I think Tipperary will be, be alluding to just uh, capitalise on that game as much as possible and get the scores up and then you know they if still they have a little Galway, bit, yeah they have a little bit of a cushion at the minute there's yeah, 14 points there on cushion, Galway yeah. I mean you know 
both of them is playing one another the next day out mm. you know it could, could swing either way at that game it could absolutely and I think you know if Galway are going to be caught at any stage it is going to be it is going to be in the league and I do think the way Tipperary are performing at the moment that this could be potentially be the chance for them to, to catch them but in saying that you know there's huge rivalry there between Kilken- between um, Galway and Tipperary as well so you know another really good nail-biting match come down to the wire and potentially another top of the table clash yeah so an ex- another excellent fixture to look forward to yeah and it could be a completely different pairing in the league yeah. final for once you yeah. know you never know it could be Kilkenny and Tipperary clashing in uh, <laughs> Crow Park or somewhere like that yeah. but yeah but talking uh, about clashes then I suppose we've had the neighbours between Kilkenny and Waterford in the Division 2 game last Saturday as well didn't go to plan we mm. kind of said that this one was going to be a tough uh, encounter Waterford is realistically a Division 1 team they yeah. were only relegated last year by Dublin mm-hmm. um, really they shouldn't have been beaten by Dublin last year they played pretty poorly in the, the, the relegation final I think they'll acknowledge that themselves our girls were into it right up until half time yeah um, probably the goal that Vicky Faulkner got on the 27th minute in the first half deflated it a small little bit because yeah. they were there but you know went in level at half time would have been probably maybe happy enough you mm-hmm. know maybe not taking their chances with the breeze Yeah. but then to come out in the second half and not score for 30 minutes and only get a consolation point mm. must be heartbreaking for John and the team yeah, definitely. And just kind of, you know, after getting some feedback from the match as well, because obviously we weren't there at it, um, you know, they probably didn't, they probably didn't convert what they should have in the first half, considering that they had the gale force wind in their back. And I suppose Waterford showed their, their senior experience and came out and completely dominated them in the second half. Um, you know, I'd say it was a very, very tough day. I'd say John, yeah, and the lads were probably relatively happy going in at half time, but knowing that they were going to have a massive battle because, you know, it, it was it was still very, very tight and they knew that Waterford were going to obviously have their purple patch in the second half, considering they had the, the wind in their back. Um, yeah, so tough, I think, for them. Um, I didn't expect it to be that much of a difference in it in the end if I'm honest I, I genuinely thought they could really put it up to them and that's not I, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Kilkenny or Washford in, in any regards there but I do think John and the lads will be extremely disappointed with the, the final 30 minutes and especially to be only getting one score and I believe it was Ash McCarty that got it as well that's right an injury you know, time yeah. yeah a new player kind of coming in scene, which is good to see I suppose for John he did get out a couple of new guards as well like getting Ash McCarty out there I believe Nee Phelan came in as well in the second half so at least you know there's some guards still getting the run you know they have a massive game coming up against Westmead you know thankfully it's the, it's two teams that are going to come out of that group so they should comfort like I think Westmead barely got through Tipperary or was it even a draw I'm going to check that yeah, and just checking the scores I for the minute I think it could have been a draw but like you know considering considering the way Tipper, Kilkenny beat Tipperary in the first round you would ex- be expecting that Kilkenny to go push on and you know beat, beat Westmead and still qualify for a semi-final You were just talking about Asher McCarty Asher McCarty finished top score yeah. in the game five points uh, three of them from Freeze we had only a feeling getting two points Carly's Comfort getting a point on the score sheet as well after the highs and lows of the last day mm-hmm. um, especially when it came to it you know it's disappointing in a way but just dust themselves down you know head for Westmeath mm-hmm. wherever that's yep. going to be now in uh, two weeks time the way it is at the minute is Waterford has topped so they're qualified for the knockout stages one way mm-hmm. or another Kilkenny are ahead of Westmeath at the minute by a couple of points so a draw technically will do Kilkenny against Westmeath yep. to qualify for the knockout stages that's not an impossible task 
No, it's certainly not. And to be honest with you, um, I'd be kind of expecting Kilkenny to go up and get a good win out of Westmead. And I think... I think the girls probably disappointed obviously with their second half performance against Waterford but can take a lot of confidence as well as you said Waterford are a senior team they are a division one team um, so they'll kind of know that right this is the level we need to be at It's they're probably glad that they only they, they're probably glad that they learned it at this early stage of the league and it's not like two or three games down the line you know when it comes to a knockout very important for that um, so I do think that they will go up to Westmead I do think that they'll be fully focused I think that John will John and the lads will have a better understanding and a better knowledge of more of the newer girls that are after coming in. He'll have an extra two weeks of them mm-hmm. training. So I do think we're going to see a very different Kilkenny outfit going out against Westmead. I think a lot of the, the newer girls could be could be thrown into the mix there as well. And, you know, why not throw them in against, throw them in, throw them in against Westmead? Because I think that's going to be a real tough game for them as well. Are we trying to be a bit too hard on them? Maybe, I mean, realistically, they have a chance of qualifying out of the group. But I mean, there's a lot of players that's maybe gone, a couple of them gone to the senior. Maybe some of them didn't come back last year. Mm-hmm. You know, so he has a lot of players, new players, yeah. talents to try and see. He doesn't definitely know his best team like coming in for the championship. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, realistically... Is that what he's aiming to try and do and see new players? I mean, if he comes out of the group, it's a bonus. I mean, yeah. the more matches you get, obviously, the more chances you have of mm-hmm. seeing the new players. And, uh, um, you know, but I do. I if you were a manager, would you weigh it up and use the league? I mean, in the position that they're in at the minute now and throw in potentially new girls mm-hmm. against Westmead, like you say, or go all out for it and try and get to the knockout stages? No, I think if I was in his position, I would most certainly be throwing in as many girls as possible. At the end of the day, like, yeah, OK, he's probably seen him through the club stages. He's probably seen him through the third level stages. But you know, he needs to see how these girls are going to play with each other, first of all, and how they're going to be able to compete with some of the top teams in the country. You know yourself, though, there's a big difference, as we've difference. seen, between the club, especially the Huge college, difference. and then go up again an inter-county mm-hmm. team. And that's why I think it's going to be very important for the likes of some of the girls that this may be potentially their first year in at an inter-county level. So he's going to have to see, can they actually make it in the mix? And if he doesn't try it out now, when is he going, he's never going to know, like, it's going to be too late come championship to throw him in for the last final 10 minutes of a game, because, you know, what good is that going to do for, for them anyway so he's given I think he's going to give every girl ample opportunity in the next couple of games like regardless they have two more games anyway so you know he's definitely he's got another what two he's got another two games he's got another two hours of hurling to go before he can actually kind of sit down and see you know plus right, Leinster yeah, you know you have Leinster that in the mix as in well, there as yeah. well. So, and that's and I, like, I'm a huge fan of that I think the Leinster Championship is so vitally important in, for preparation for an All-Ireland Championship because it nearly gives you a sense of right this is a final chance for the girls to show us what they're made of and then hopefully potentially get to a Leinster final and that's probably where you're going to line out your team that's going to play in the first round of the All-Ireland Championship but yeah I do like if I was John I would be certainly um, using the league to get as many girls and particularly the new ones and the younger girls out onto the field and get them in, get them in a good 45-50 minute hurling I think that's really really important I think that's what they're going to do yes of course they'd love to win the league who wouldn't love to win it. But I do think, you know, after being in an All-Ireland final last year, that's their aim. They want to go one step further and they need to see exactly who they have and what they're made of. And that's what he's going to use the league for. Yeah, great to see Wexford are flying as well. Mm -hmm. The top of the table in Group 1 in that as well. Wexford have three games played. They're top with nine points plus 24 difference. Um, Cork and Meath seem to be battling it out along with Jerry. Jerry in the mix. They gave uh, Kildare a big beating um, last weekend. I mean, 
out of those three teams for the second one to come through out of it. You know, we're, we're saying that Wexford, the way they're going at the minute is they probably mm. will qualify for it. So that's leaving Cork, Meath and uh, Derry fighting it out for the other battle to come into it. That's yeah. not an easy pick between them three. No, absolutely not. You know, you're looking at Cork who are always there, thereabouts. You know, they probably have a lot of guys that are brought up from the minor scene from last year after beating in the minor All-Ireland uh, by, by beating in the minor All-Ireland final against Kilkenny. So you're going to have a couple of those guys that are coming to the fro. We have to remember that they're after winning the under-16 All-Ireland as well. So there's always a really good bunch of talent coming through down in Cork. Derry, I'm sure they would be happy that they have, they're more than likely going have the Schlock Neil girls back I would imagine at this stage maybe potentially not last weekend but you would well, imagine have them back for you should, next, yeah exactly yeah, and well, I think you know that's the next game is it the two weeks I'd imagine is it? March yeah, as well, yeah so you know they're going to be looking at that as a huge bonus for them as well so you know they could throw a spanner in the works there too and Mead listen Mead are always there thereabouts you know they're they're a senior team in their own right they've been working extremely hard um, so you know they, we all remember what they did to Kilkenny Town and Barla Last year in the in the league quarter final, will we you ever know? forget it? Yeah, do you know, like daylight robbery at its finest, nearly. Um, so yeah, they're going to want to go on and they're going to go on to push on as well. So you know, that's a really tricky group. Um, you know, obviously. You know, to me, I would be kind of saying you're looking at maybe Cork or Derry to come out of it. They would be the two that I'd be kind of going going for realistically. Um, but you just don't know. It's a tough group. I think it's probably nearly tougher than the other group. Well, you can only pick the two out of it. So between Wexford, Derry and Cork, you're saying... Okay, Wexford are obviously going through. Well, technically they can still be caught, like, but uh, the <laughs> way know, they're I going are highly I unlikely. I think Wexford will, I think Wexford will comf- comfortably go through. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to throw it up there and go Cork. Okay. Yeah. So potentially we're looking at Wexford, Cork, Kilkenny and Waterford to come out of group two. Yeah. Yeah, which leaves us then with group three, which is, I suppose, uh, a bit more nearly conclusive at this stage. I mean, Antrim are top with six points. Yeah. Antrim have been flying in the league the last mm-hmm. couple of years. I mean, Down only beat them, uh, I think it was the last year then to go through for, yeah. that's why they are up in division one. Um, and Galway then is coming in second place as well. And then you have Leash and Kerry. I mean, I don't know what's going on in Leash at the minute, but there's there's some problems going on up there. Um, they're not going well at all at all. I mean, it's great to see Kerry participating. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we've spoke about them the last time as well. Great to have them in the, the, the Division 2. Um, and we have Leash in the Leinster Championship because we've yeah. just taken that as well. But we're looking kind of like Antrim Galway to yep. come out of that. I think so. And I think you're probably looking at definitely the six best teams in the Division 2 there going through realistically into the quarterfinal stages. Uh, you know, whichever one Galway can... Or Kilkenny are probably... I don't think they can meet Washford, can they? In a, in a quarter final, it doesn't go to open draw. It hardly does, does it? Uh, no, the same applies. So the three group winners are yeah. all going to come out and go into a hat. Yeah, which is bizarre in a way because if you top your group, you're still not guaranteed a semi final yeah, spot. Yeah. But anyway, some teams like a quarter final. But yeah, you're picking two teams out of that. The remaining team plus the three others will then go into their quarterfinals. The winners yeah. of the quarterfinals then will obviously play the two in the semifinals. Okay. So, so they could technically meet Washford then? Uh, they can't meet, I don't think, in a quarterfinal because okay. they're in the same group. Right, now, okay. Now, I stand open to be corrected on okay. that, but I don't think you can. It has to be in a semifinal spot. Okay, so then, you know, we'll go on the basis that hope that they don't have to meet them, which is, 
really say I think that's probably the best case scenario for Kilkenny because I do think I do think Washford will be pushing hard I'd say they're probably a bit wounded the fact that they are pay, playing Division 2 if I'm honest um, so I think that they'll be pushing very hard but I also think Antrim would be pushing extremely hard for uh, Division to try and get to Division 1 they're a senior team now and they don't want to be playing at Division 2 next year either No and I mean their junior team is also going very well yeah. as well I mm-hmm. mean the, the buzz is up in Antrim yep. you know Owen Rua is in the final uh, as well next weekend mm-hmm. I think actually in the junior final if I'm not mistaken yep. so yep. I mean Camogie and Antrim is on a high up there you know so I wouldn't rule anything out if they probably avoid one another depending on I'm going to put my neck on the block here I mean, we're probably maybe looking at a Waterford Antrim the way things are going at the minute final. <laughs> um, That's not ruling our own girls out but on paper at the minute the way the leagues yeah. have gone mm-hmm. um, and that's just going on paper because yeah. paper means Jack, you know what yeah. when it comes to playing in a in a game, but you I, know, yeah, I think you're right. I think if you were paper, a pundit, you'd yeah. be looking at it. You'd be putting them two in yeah. the final. Yeah, yeah. Like realistically, I do think if you're looking at a paper, you would have to say that Antrim and Washford are by far the two strongest teams at the moment. And you also have to remember that both Antrim and Washford are senior teams playing at Division 2. Yeah. So I think the other Division 2 well, teams... I mean, you have Derry there. I mean, yeah. Derry was a senior one team for a long yeah. time as well before um, you just got I think, back. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that all the other teams in Division 2 can kind of be very... You know, they can nearly show a bit of confidence in the fact that they are being bet by Division 1 teams. Like, they are being bet by senior teams. Like, and you know, and I think, I think that's probably what John and the lads would have maybe said to the girls after because I'm sure the girls went in their heads were down and you know I'd say the lads were kind of just you know putting it into some girls just remember like they're a senior team they're a senior team that's the standard we have to be at if we're going to win in All-Ireland that's where we need to be and you know yes difficult day at the office but I do think there was plenty of positives to be taken from the game as well and you know great to see a lot of new players getting the run too Yeah exactly going on then to this weekend's game we have the club scenes mm-hmm. you know we we could have had Dixborough there at some stage yeah. but they were beaten by Euler the Ballock what a fantastic team like I mm-hmm. mean to have the likes of Ursula Jacob Owen Lacey Mary Lacey you know Kira Story all them stalwarts mm-hmm. still going and potentially doing back to back All-Ireland finals is immense they're playing Sarsfields at Galway mm-hmm. we know what that game was like in Nolan Park it was on the 18th of December last year Owl at the Ballock came away with a win probably shocked a lot of Sarsfields players yeah. to be fair mm-hmm. um, are Sarsfields going to try and get I won't use the word revenge but to uh, to try and bring the title back to Sarsfields this weekend I think so I think the fact that you know for the last couple of years it's kind of been you know really between Sarsfields and Schlockneil and you know next thing Sarsfields and Schlockneil got thrown up against each other in an All-Ireland semi-final so I think Sarsfields probably thought that this is it now this is our year they were after beating them once already Already in the the Ireland the year previous, um, I think Siobhan McGrath got a last minute goal in that um, in that game, and you know then obviously to come on then the following year meet meet Schlockneil in a club semi final, beat Schlockneil, then go on to play Owlart Bala. I, I do probably think that Sarsfields may have become a little bit complacent in that thinking that you know well we're we're here on the block the last four or five years this is our right and I do think they got a bit of a shock and I do think they will be very disappointed um, in saying that I don't think you can look past our at the ball at the minute I think they're absolutely just cruising and coasting through and you know they're a bit like Ballyhale Shamrock's mm-hmm. hurling team. They're never actually bet yeah. until you're gone out the gate and the final whistle is after blowing. Yeah. No, I think they're just they're just phenomenal. They're just out of this world. Like, you know, 
for a team that still has, you know, the girls that you've named already, um, you know, your Una Lacey's, your Mary Lacey's, or sorry, your Una, your, yeah, your Una and your Mary Lacey, your Ursula Jacob, all of these girls, to have them still going and to be competing at the very, very top level, Senior Club All-Ireland, another, like, they could win two Senior Club All-Irelands in the bones of three months, like, that yeah. would be crazy, no, absolute craziness. And I, do you know what, I do think they are going to do it. I think that they are just brimming with confidence at the moment. And, it's nearly like they went, Owlers went through nearly a transition for a couple of years where they, they more or less nearly disappeared and they even kind of disappeared out of Wexford as well. And next thing, they just came back and they came back with a bang and my God, county final, Leinster final, all Ireland final, county final. And some of these games, we have to remember, were nearly played a couple of weeks after each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so sure like, they were. I yeah. think there's two weeks between the all Ireland and the, the Le- Leinster, Leinster final yeah. like by the time so it was done. Yeah, I, To be honest I couldn't look past out at the ball at this age. I just think the form that they're in and the way they're going, I do think that uh, Sarsfields will have their homework done a lot more than they had previous day round. And um, I do think that they will be out for revenge because I do feel that they were extremely hurt after getting bet in the All-Ireland final last year and they probably took their eye off the ball just a little bit thinking that well listen they probably thought if we beat Schlock Neil we're dead certain for this and you know Owler came out and just you know blew him out of the water and you know I think it's going to be definitely a massive massive game it's going to be an excellent game I think so too yeah. uh, what was I going to say to you um, Mary Lacey I was just looking through social media and uh, you're talking about an amazing woman. I mean, she was getting physio uh, off a person in Wexford to actually have her ready to go and play that game in Colonial Commercials. Mm. Now, albeit they probably had the easier of the two semi-finals mm. against poor Scarra Vagonalo. Now, I know the day was dreadful that day. Um, you know, Sarsfields had a more difficult opponent in Slough mm-hmm. Neil. You know, you had the travelling in the distance and you had the slobber then that was down in Gorey. went to yeah. extra time then as well. So... Mm-hmm. It's going to be fascinating though. It is. And you know what? I do. I know it's kind of always nearly the thing that said like, you know, oh sure they had a tougher semi-final. That'll probably stand to them in the final. I don't know. I think that, I think the easier semi-final for Owlart, and I hate using the word easier because I don't want to be disrespectful to anybody. But like... I am, but you're not being, I mean, when you yeah, look at the score was, sheet though, like was, and you're only it getting... It was nearly, it was too yeah. handy nearly for them. I do think... I do think that Owlart would nearly, I think they have, they probably needed a lot more recovery time than Sarsfields and I think the fact that they didn't have as a tight affair, I think that would probably stand to them that they'd be probably that little bit fresher going in. It's like they nearly got a run around, um, you know, whatever, a month before it and I think that they will, I think, I think they're going to, I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to go do the double. Now we know Owlart always have great support. We've mm-hmm. seen that in Abbottstown the day that we played, uh, yeah. well, when I say we, Dixborough, um, playing Owlart the Ballock, like unbelievable support the fact that you now have Salt Hill knock Nakara a second Galway team yeah. in the intermediate final mm-hmm. you have Sarsfields in the senior final that could have a huge bear now I'm not saying it's going to happen but if Salt Hill knock Nakara win and they go and they all stay and they cheer on for yep. potentially Sarsfields it could be a great day for Galway teams I think so and I think that's going to you know I suppose in Crow Park you know the size of it and it's so hard to hear anything and even like and even when it, there isn't 80,000 people in it even when there's just 20, 30,000 people in it and you're standing out on the pitch it's such a lonely lonely pace and you can't hear anything like you can't even hear the management team shouting or roaring at you to tell you to do something because it's like there's an echo and it just pings off the whole place and bounces around um, I do it's think It's better than having nobody there because yeah, the year exactly. we were there in 2020 in the final it was eerie yeah, it was terrible. Was. yeah you could literally hear every you could hear a pin drop there at one stage but yeah no I do think I do think 
Galway are going to have a massive backing and support there and I do think the fact that it's in Crow Park as well I, you know will Crow Park suit Sarsfields more they're more used to playing it I know listen half that out of the Bala team have been part of a Wexford team and have surely played there and have won All-Irelands there and have won previous club All-Irelands there so yeah they're going to have that experience as well in it but I suppose in recent times Sarsfields probably have that little bit more experience in the fact that I would imagine that all of their players have played there in the last two or three years so yeah it'll be interesting it'll be a massive support from Galway but I think Ardart Bala you know they're going to want to get back to Croke Park they, they are like so they're going to have a massive massive support um, going up there so as you're well. picking Owlert for the senior intermediate then not so easy to pick we have St. Rhinus is there now again mm. they're going for back to back yeah I suppose if we look at it this way that potentially if St. Ryan is win at this time and I'm not saying it's going to happen but I mean they could potentially be graded then up to a senior which mm-hmm. would make it four teams in the club championship for Leinster for next year which would be no bad thing because having three teams the likes of either Kilkenny, Dublin or Gull- or Dublin, Kilkenny or Wexford one of the three teams getting a boy into a Leinster final every mm. three years is not really good we need to see more teams in a club championship if yeah. Ryan is did win it it probably would help that along and bring awfully on but then again they're up against Salt Hill Knock Nakara it's not an easy one to call this one No it's not and to be fair like I can't say I actually know much about this Salt Hill team um, but I, like from just seeing from just seeing St. Rhinos I couldn't see anybody standing up against them to be fair I just think they are so well tuned and they are just like a ma- machine going around the place and I think the experience from last year alone will stand to them and I think you know that's probably one of the benefits of maybe not going straight up that you have nearly a year or two to do back to back and really get yourselves primed and ready to go up, play up at the next level Um, to be honest with you, I can't see anybody I can't see anybody coming their way just from what I've seen of them um, especially in the Paulstown game like they were phenomenal um, but yeah you'd have to say it would be to me would be St. Rhinus that would be looking to, to win that game and a bit of a novel pairing then in the junior one we have uh, Clan Morris of uh, Kerry mm-hmm. uh, we said about that you know majority of that team playing with Kerry as well and then Owen Rua of Antrim so you have an Antrim and a mm-hmm. Antrim and Kerry team in a junior final what a novel pairing that's going to be a belter but great for both clubs yep. to be able to get to a junior final mm-hmm. as well and potentially be an All-Ireland champion um, like we've seen it at inter-county level but to do it with your club yeah. is something special and it could be special for either one of the two of them It certainly could and to be fair like this you know Clanmore team it's basically is the Kerry team um, so it's hard to kind of look by it's kind of hard to look past them to be fair um, you know I just think that they've been coming for so they've been there for so many years like and you know these girls are used to winning All-Irelands it's kind of like ah sure nearly I have it here I have one in my back pocket now at this stage but I do think you know I do think that there's nobody really going to stand in their way when it comes to this but it is it's so great for Kerry Camogie that they're at that you know they're probably Clan Morris are probably a team that should really be moved up in the grading system as well to be fair like because they have been competing at this level for so long and you know it, it, it probably would do them just and do it give a massive boost to Kerry Camogie as well if they were moved up to the intermediate ranks too like so you know maybe that's something that needs to be looked at too but I don't think you could actually surpass looking at um, Clan Morris in that game Yeah and just one final word then when we're talking about finals just to wish the Loretta Kilkenny um, all the best in I think that's in Johnstown yeah, on this weekend coming Saturday. at one o'clock mm-hmm. um, as they take on the Ursuline in Thurles uh, in that final so 
Uh, you know, Loretta could be going for another victory there. Mm -hmm. You know, they're synonymous to winning all Ireland finals, yeah. whether it be the senior or the junior. Lost out at semi-final to a 45 uh, shootout yeah. to uh, President Athan Roy this year, you know. So maybe that will make up for it if they could beat uh, Thurless the weekend. Yeah, it certainly is. And there's so many talented young players on that. You know, a lot of them would probably be at the stage where they're playing with the under-16 county now as well. So there'll be a huge gathering from from our under-16 squad on the Loretto team. Um, obviously, Loretto will be dis bitterly disappointed that they were pipped literally in the final hurl in the All-Ireland semi-final from the Prez in um, Prez from Galway but I do think you know they have such a history when it comes to um, All-Ireland finals in Loretto like they're just like you know I often give out stink that why couldn't we win them when I was back in Loretto in my days it's like the very minute I left they started winning it straight away so I don't know Is what trying I was to tell you something? I think so I, I think so I think uh, Brendan Williams and uh, Mr Bulger were trying to, to, trying to let us see years know that we were no good and until we left they weren't going to start winning but yeah it was um, yeah they'll have I'm sure it's going to be that's going to be a massive game for them and you know best of luck to them all and especially to my own club mates Kira Dunn Anna Donny you know they're going to hopefully bring us do us all proud and bring get uh, Loretto into another All-Ireland final yeah, well, that is the all earn. So hopefully that'll come back to uh, Kilkenny as mm -hmm. well um, for that, for the, another school title for the Loretto. They've had many before, but another one to, would add to it yeah. nicely. The next topic that we are going to talk about is we've seen it ourselves over the last number of weekends is Get Respect, Give Respect campaign that has been going on with the last number of weeks. We saw it a couple of weeks ago. We won't mention the two counties that was in it, but, you know, we've had two managers, assistant managers being sent to the stand we had it last weekend in games as well. I have been around the county when I'm on assessing duty and I've seen what's going on with managers at underage games and the whole lot. Mm -hmm. There seems to be a lot more backbiting and uh, I won't use the word, but it starts in B and ending in G going on with an awful lot of managers and the whole lot towards lines people, mm -hmm. umpires. You know, it's not nice. It doesn't look well for the game. Um, they're talking about some of it coming into rugby now as well. Now, rugby has been the sport of, you know, gentlemen, as they call yeah. it, because mm -hmm. everything is yes or no, sir. You can't mm -hmm. go out and anything at all that's said towards a referee or whatever is punished straight away. But, you know, it doesn't really look good, does it? And now I have no answers to it. But mm -hmm. when you're trying to teach kids and young girls and the whole lot and they're looking at adults carrying on this way, it doesn't give a good impression for our sport. No, it certainly doesn't. And we had this conversation uh, last year in our podcast as well after a couple of incidents in Kilkenny. So it's happening throughout altogether. Um, you know, like I'm not going to stand here and say that I'm completely innocent and I've never, I haven't. And I'm not either when it comes to county games. <laughs> you know, I haven't thrown an owl, an owl shout or yell at a referee if they went against me. I'm sure I've done it to you as well. But Actually, you no, know, you haven't now in fairness. Um, but you know, I do think, yeah, like I think it is it, it's it's very disrespectful. Um, it's a disgusting manner to have. I, you know, even watching some of it last weekend in the match, um, in the Clare Kilkenny match, you know, the the referee was sorry. Who, who was the referee last weekend? Andrew Larkin. Andrew Larkin. Andrew Larkin 
Andrew Larkin basically went over and gave out to the Clare officials because they were abusing his linesman and he was 100% dead right to do it. At the end of the day, that's his team. He's looking after his team. He's looking after the, for the welfare of his lines people, his umpires, you know, and he was dead right to do it. And I just thought it was just some disgusting behaviour that was going on and this, you know, this near, near like pleading act of innocent with your little innocent face looking back going, sure I did nothing the hands out and you're clearly after verbally abusing someone. Um, you know, I do think a lot of people and we this goes back to last year again where we have said like a lot of people a lot of people are giving up their time. What they do for the majority of people involved is on a voluntary basis. And I do have to say, like, I love those signs when you go into the hurling field and it's basically like, you know, um, have you volunteered to train a team? Have you have you put your hand up to come to a committee meeting? Well, if you haven't, basically keep your mouth closed and don't be abusing the people that are here on, on a, on yeah, a voluntary basis. Yeah, the refs basis. are human, the coaches yeah, are human, exactly. you know, yeah. But it, it does. It's been, it's, it's thrown at everybody. It's, like everybody is getting the abuse players some players are getting abuse as well which is absolutely disgusting and then um, you know Lil is trying to show me something here and I'm just laughing at it but yeah I just I do think I take it would you referee and do that job absolutely not at 100% I would not do it not in a million years if you paid me a million euro I still wouldn't do it um, like I just now we have to say it's not only clear that was going on at it. It no. was only the incidents because you yeah. now. In fairness to Joe O'Donnell, he's the chairman there. He actually went down and I think he told him to shut up a couple of yeah, times as did. well. To be fair to him, but yeah. unless more people start doing that mm. on the line, um, but I don't know. Is it the fact that we try and go down maybe like the Aussie rules style and the rugby that the managers and the whole lot are actually up high? out of the way on off the sideline altogether mm-hmm. and maybe just have your one runner if you want to bring on word or a tactic or whatever and just have that person that's able just to go onto the field and give it now maybe that's been too draconian and mm. maybe the measures for that has gone too much but like something has to be done to try and improve things because if not if the abuse keeps going if lads are still going to be roaring and shouting at officials, we're not going to have more. I mean, we can no. see it already. There's no linesmen appointed for the division two or three uh, in the league because there's not enough officials to go around to do it. It's only for the division one games. Yeah. And if we keep continuing on the route that things are going down, we're not going to have any referees to be going able to go out and do any games at all at all. No, and we had this last year as well where we didn't have enough referees because of the carry-on that was going on. Uh, you know, I just think that you know, I, ju- I just think it's gone to a stage where like we have to kind of remember that these are humans too and they are and I'm going to keep on I'm going to keep on repeating myself here like a lot of them it's voluntary and without these people we wouldn't be able to have these games and I think that's what people need to understand you know we've said it give respect get respect it's been plastered all over posters in GA clubs it's been on jerseys referees jerseys it's everywhere it's out there there has been um, media campaigns about it there's been ads on national television stations you know so I don't understand like I just think for some people some you know as well as I do some people just love an argument and they love going and getting ready to have an argument and something might be yeah, wrong you can nearly see it coming yeah something could be wrong absolutely perfect but somebody will always give out about something it's just the nature of some people they're never happy until they're given out and that's just the way it is and you but know but the issue I have as well is there's an awful lot of people now and most people know that under the children's force to act as well especially at underage games you have to go and you have to get your safeguarding done mm-hmm. you have to get your guard of vetting done the whole lot and part of the safeguarding course is to get respect give respect yeah. campaign and I know I was at one last Friday and it was hammered home about this particular 
incident. Now, there was also case studies that was done um, and the whole lot with it. So if the majority of these people have to do these, why the hell then are they going out on the field two or three weeks even after getting one done and doing the total opposite of what was after being taught to them in them courses? Now, sometimes I know it's not easy, right? As you said, we're no angels. If Kilkenny is involved in either hurling or camogie and I see something, I could be... And now you see me in the commentary position as well with sometimes that you're biting your lip and really not trying to say something stupid, especially live on air or against someone. And it is hard. But I mean, it is gone to the stage now where something is going to have to start to be getting done or we are really going to lose an awful lot of people and we'll be giving out then and then we'll be giving out, well, why can't we have games? We've no referees to do them. And I really don't want to insult anybody when I'm saying this, but for a lot of those courses that we do, I do think they're absolutely vital. They have to be done. Some people take them so, so serious. They do because they want to make sure, like you have some clubs around the country and they will have absolutely everything in pristine order. Nobody will be allowed to train a team unless they have all their certs in place. That's just the way it is. Like, and you know, clubs, a child welfare officer and clubs and, you know, liaison officers or whatever the case may be, they will have everything up to date. They'll have it all done according, accordingly. But for some people, unfortunately, courses like that, it's just a tick the box ex- exercise and they just want to get out in the field. And, well, that's true as you well, know, yeah. They just want to get out in the field and they just want to roar and shout like an Egypt. And that's exactly, they're just making an Egypt of themselves. Like, and that's just, that's just the way it is. But they do have to realise that. And it really, like, I, you know, I suppose we had it, was it last year there was a game up in Wicklow, um, an underage game up in Wicklow and I think it had to be abandoned, wasn't there? An absolute melee of it. It was an under 14 so game. a football game. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, and the parents and managers and the whole lot came out and there was boxes being thrown left, right and centre. First of all, that is disgusting. Well, actually, you've had the, the incident as well in uh, Waterford that the court case has come up with yeah. like in the last couple of weeks at an under 14 camogie game as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, some people just really take it too far altogether. They take it too far and I suppose like, you know, coming coming down to that point then, like kids that age, you know, they're like a sponge. They see everything and they repeat everything that they see. So if you're going to have a lad on the sideline who's roaring and bawling like an ass, what's going to happen is these kids are going to think that this is perfectly okay to do as well and they're just going to repeat it. That's exactly what's going to happen and then that whole give respect, get respect is gone out the window because then you're going to have these Mouticon young ones on a hurling field roaring and bawling at a referee and that's what's going to happen. But what can we do? You know, we, we've had this conversation last year. What can we do? Like, we're, we don't have the answers for anything, I don't think, at this stage. But I don't know. Like, I think, I think you know, we can pump in all the media attention to give respect get respect and do all that all the time but I do think it needs to be I do think we need to kind of start making nearly start making um oh what's that word want to make um oh say it for me Uh, say it for me that's an example we need to start making an example of some of these people and that it it needs to be done needs to be nearly named and shamed yeah well some people certainly need to take responsibility Mm. you know counties need to start taking responsibility for their coaches as well clubs need to start taking responsibility and there is a rule in the rule book that actually clubs are responsible for even supporters now Mm. I, I have a problem with this because if you haven't got a member how can you be responsible for them but still you know, if they're there supporting a team and whatever and they're giving you a bad name and bringing you into bad light, yeah. you know, you have to be able to go up and either tell them to 
shut the F up or whatever way you want to put it politely mm. to them that they can actually understand because yeah. asking politely these days seems to be gone out in the window you've been nearly told to F off yourself yeah. like it's none of your business yeah well it doesn't to be honest with you for a lot of people it doesn't it doesn't get you anywhere you know asking nicely and I suppose this is probably the other side of it that it's nearly taken that you're nearly kind of taken for more of a mug than, than anything else like if you are trying to do everything by the book and you are trying to you know have manners and be polite towards doing things because you know if people will just laugh at you and you know I suppose that's that's a lot got to do with you know the association as a whole and it, like we're not just talking camogie we're talking ladies Gaelic football we're talking hurling we're talking men's football we're talking all Soccer, sports in rugby, general like, lot of it's it, happening yeah. throughout like this is not this is not just an issue with Gaelic games this is an issue with all sports and I, it's just it's just the way people are but like I do think we need to start making an example of it and I think it's going to take one association to make an example of somebody doing it for every other association to jump on board and do it as well I know like we have you know we all want to have this massive community this sense of community but you know what's more important than sense of community is that we're actually looking out for each other and we're protecting each other and we can't have this sense of community if we're allowing people in the community to abuse others that are just trying to do right and who are who are there just to help And we out. are talking about abuse because I mean people can be passionate on a sideline and mm-hmm. I mean you're the same you're a manager I mean if you're up in whatever position or you're playing in the field and you know after F's sake Griffin you know I mean someone can shout an expletive out of them okay everybody does it nobody really minds most of the referees are not going to give a damn about something like that anyway yeah. but when you start getting into abuse of the whole time and you know some of it is even threatening yeah. um, at times as well that's where the line is crossed and that's where we have to try and stamp it out because nobody wants to take the passion out of the yeah. sport either everyone wants to have, be passionate about the sport that they love but there's a thin line there between passion and crossing over onto yeah. being a thug or being abusive or whatever way you want to put it. And that's the, that they're the people we try to need to stamp out. And you've just said it straight out, thug. That's what I would call them, a, a thug. Like if somebody wants to act like that, like I do think, like, listen, we are all guilty of it. Oh my, like I'm guilty of myself as well. Like if things aren't going my way, like I might just slam my hurl down on the ground or I'll just, you know, I'll take it out of my own bit of frustration or whatever the case may be. Like, and I might, like I might turn around if someone, the referee is, after putting a free against me I'll go ah for God's sake what's that for like you know you do it's just it's the heat of the moment but I can definitely hold my hand up and say I have never ever abused a referee but I have witnessed a referees and lines people being abused in games that I've been played in and it's absolutely disgusting Yeah well I've been on the other end of that including uh, one in Waterford a few years ago with a said individual that we won't mention on this podcast as well but it does happen Mm. but anyway I suppose the last thing that we do just want to to dwell on it a small little bit is there was a motion put through to Congress from the GPA last uh, weekend. We did talk about it as being a merger. Now, it has since come out that it's not actually a merger for the GAA to go and amalgamate with the two counties and bring them all under their umbrella. The exact wording of it is that it's the motion from the GPA was calling on the GAA to work towards merging the three associations together which is slightly different to what everyone was saying in everyone thought that the GA had agreed to it now it wasn't unanimous either it was 89.3 to 11 point something um, I think it was but maybe it's time now you know to start talking with the two associations and moving things down the line we know we discussed it in length um, last weekend as well about mergers and the pros and cons and the whole lot of yeah. it but I mean the GAA community has now decided that it's time to move on time for the three associations to get together and do it 
do you see the camogie associate will leave the ladies football out with the minutes because they have their own set yeah. of uh, people and the whole lot if the GA d- did decide to go with this and they could have it done next week and everything was hunky-dory and it went to Camogie Congress then in a couple of weeks' time to get voted on, do you think that the Camogie would bring this in? Honestly, I think, yeah. um, if I'm being completely honest, I think players um, would love it. I think certain people would love it, but I don't know if the Camogie Congress would pass it. And that's me being completely honest. I think a lot of the time, um, and I like I can just say that like I've you know when the Camogie Congress is on, they're obviously passing new laws or new rules or whatever the case may be. And like sometimes my head just the mind boggles. I'm like, how are they not passing that or whatever the case may be? I don't know. Like the court and the age rules and the whole lot is silly little things, like really really silly little things. I don't think personally. I don't think the Camogie Congress, and I'm not saying all of them. I'm thinking that some of them wouldn't have the, um, I don't think they have the players, the players in mind when they're, when they're voting on this. I think they're voting more so on keeping the Camogie Association as their own Do you think it's like a personal choice? Like, I mean, we've seen it all throughout. I mean, when it comes to the rules um, and the rule groups, the advisory groups were set up and they bring in the rules and the whole lot. Players themselves feel like they're not being listened to because they said in one particular way, okay, well, we want to try and bring this in. We want the game to be more physical. We want to try and do that. Then when it comes to Congress, the counties that these players are actually shouting that they want it brought into completely go the opposite and vote in a completely different way altogether. So do you feel that the players are not being listened to when it comes to stuff like this? 100%. I honestly do. And I think the only way you're going to get a real vote from that is if the players are allowed to vote in the Congress for it. Like, it's all well and good, like Kilkenny turning around and saying, right, okay, well, we want this, that and the other. And then whoever the powers may be, whoever it is, goes along and then they have their own personal vote that they, they're like, no, well, I disagree with that, so I'm going to vote this. I think that's what a lot of the problem is. I think that people are going to Congress and they have their own mind made up about the rules that are going to be, you know, thrown out there that can be debated. And I don't think it's been, I don't think the players are being taken into consideration for a lot of things. And, and I think that's where we're going wrong. I do think if the players had a massive, and like, if I'm honest, the players should have, in my opinion, should have the majority of vote at Congress. That's the way it should be. They're the ones that are beat that it's been directly impacted on. Like they should have a say in what's going on. Well, for rules time. that way, I would totally agree with yeah. you. The admin stuff behind it is where the people should be dealing with that. Yeah. But when it comes to rules or where it's going to affect the people that's playing it mm-hmm. the most or whatever, I totally agree with you. They should have a huge say in what's going on with it. But that doesn't seem to be the case because you have a lot of counties, maybe some counties, and I'm not saying they're out there, but they mightn't even decide, go to the clubs. The clubs might yeah. come in and say, well, OK, well, we want to vote this way or whatever that way. And then when it comes to Congress, as you say, it could be a personal choice. Somebody else is going to vote in a different way completely but rules wise you know anything that affects the players in this the players themselves should have a huge say in what's going on I think so and I think that's more important and I don't think it I don't think their voice is being I don't think their voice is being heard at all properly for that I do think like yeah you're dead right there are certain things that you know the players not that they don't care about but it doesn't involve them so they don't need to get involved in it like and I totally get it that's fine let your county delegates um, you know vote on that but when it comes to the important things that that involve the players like fixtures 
rules, um, scheduling of things, um, welfare, um, you know, marketing, whatever the case may be. When players are directly involved, the players should have their own say in that. And I think that's where a split needs to be. A split needs to occur there. Like, you know, leave the but admin you, side to your delegates, leave the actual playing stuff to the players. Yeah. Do you think then that the players need to go to their clubs themselves? Because every player is part of a club mm. and say to them, look, you need to go to a county board meeting. You have to hammer this home that this is the majority the way players want to because it affects club players as well as it mm-hmm. does intercounty players yep. you know so maybe the pressure has to be put from the players on the club delegates for the club delegates then to go to county board meetings and say look our players are going this we need to go this way we have to listen to our players instead of not listening to anyone at all I mean you and me could be a club delegate mm-hmm. um, we could go into a county board meeting or whatever and we've had a club meeting and the players might come and say okay well look we want to go X, Y and Z or whatever and then you go to a county board meeting and say oh no the club is going A, B and C yeah you know, when we, you know, do players need to put more pressure on the people then that's in the clubs to try and get these things passed at, con- at well, a county board level first and then a congress level? I think so. Um, I do think it is important because to be honest with you, I do think, you know, from a club perspective, I don't know if the, if the club player... Not that they don't care about, you know, the rules or, you know, any of the sanctions that are going on. Like, I don't think that they're aware of it. And I don't think that they're actually aware that they can actually request for something to be changed, if if I'm being completely honest. So I don't, I, I, I'm not saying that they're not doing it. I'm saying that they probably don't know enough about it to do it. So I do think, you know, maybe that's something that needs to be put out there, you know, to clubs. Do we do we kind of manifest it out to all the counties and be like, right, this is that these are the topics that are going to be discussed. Um, Each club, each place and each club has to come back with you know the, what their choice is and maybe that's where they get a be- they'll get a better um, understanding of it it was like the split season to be fair I think that was the first time I remember ever getting an opportunity to actually decide mm-hmm. when to yeah. play a camogie was have, was whether to have the split season or not I don't think I've ever had an opportunity before that to you know have a vote or have a say or you know have anything like that and I do think it is important that the players are being given that opportunity I'm not saying they're not being given the opportunity but I would imagine they're just not aware of it and I do think they need to be more made more aware of it Well it certainly does we've certainly posed an awful lot of questions mm. maybe Got not enough answers uh, well I won't say trouble but that's what debate is all about and it's great to put these things out in the open as well but that is it from ourselves here in the KCLR studios this evening we hope that you are enjoying our Come On podcast I know we're loving these things when we get together uh, in the evening time to put these um, together so hopefully you are all enjoying them don't forget if you do like us subscribe on whatever platform that you get your podcast from it will go out as usual on the Tuesday God help poor Kenny's up to his eyes at the minute but when he gets all the editing and that done um, it will go live and that you'll be able to listen back and enjoy it and myself Anya and all the gang will be back I think next Monday evening again for mm-hmm. episode number 6 well yeah. please God and all willing and we're all back uh, after that we will be back next Monday evening but from now it's goodbye from me and thanks this is come on kind with martin quilty and onya family oh,